if you are looking for a place devoid of religion, if you are looking for a place where the gospel is preached wrong, if you are looking for a place where you want to know God as your own personal father, if you are looking for a place where transformation happens from the inside out, then I want to welcome you to the lighthouse. I will see you on the inside. God bless you. Hallelujah. Maso talibra katanda labo son tedibra sekaradi arabos. Hallelujah. What a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. Hallelujah. Heaven and earth adore him. Angels bow before him. What a mighty God we serve. Hallelujah. What a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. Hallelujah. Heaven and earth adore him. Angels bow before him. What a mighty God we serve. Father Lord, this morning we thank you because... You are a mighty God. You are an awesome Father. You are a beautiful one. We thank you, Almighty God, that the entrance of your word gives light and understanding to the simple. As you start this service this morning, I pray, Almighty God, that the words you have put in my heart and you ask me to articulate, to share with your people, will come out of my lips into the ears of your people. Go into their hearts, Almighty God. And change lives in the name of Jesus Christ. The Bible says the entrance of your word gives light and understanding to the simple. Lord, therefore, this morning we receive light and understanding in the name of Jesus. We receive the assed wisdom of God. The loving kindness and the mercy and the gracious wisdom that comes from our Father. Today is going to be a great day. It's going to be a powerful day. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Glorify yourself and edify your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Today, I bring you good word from the Lord. Today, I bring you a word that I believe will help you, will give you practical insight into how to order your life. All right. I know we have been talking a lot about Joseph, and I wanted to move away from the story of Joseph because now we saw that Joseph has become prime minister. But God showed me something in the book of Genesis, chapter 41, about the wisdom that Joseph had that separated him from the rest of the park. Now, some of you know, like last Sunday, I spoke about the ascent wisdom of God. I talked about the fact that God has told us that this is the month where his wisdom will direct us. I know wisdom is not head knowledge. Wisdom is not uh, being articulate. You know, wisdom is not about the way you speak. Wisdom is that gift from God. That helps you to shape your life aright. The Bible says that God by wisdom established the earth. God by wisdom established the earth. Which means it is by the wisdom of God that the foundations of the earth were formed. Which means that God used wisdom to establish everything that we now see here. And what does that mean? It means that God's wisdom... Is what causes the earth to rotate on its axis. God's wisdom is what established the boundaries of the oceans. God's wisdom is what caused the laws of gravity, the laws of aerodynamics to be set in place. God's wisdom is what set, you know, in the ocean, seven layers in the ocean where different animals, uh, different sea animals live in that habitat and one cannot go to the other. It's quite amazing. You know, in the ocean, there are seven layers in the oceans. And you know that if you are in, 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 in this layer, the viscosity of the layer one is, is different from viscosity of layer two. And if a, an animal that is designed for layer one goes to layer two, it's going to die. It is the wisdom of God. Now, the wisdom of God established these seven layers in the ocean. That's as far as humans know, actually. It might be more than that. But the amazing thing I found out is that 
each animal is said to be able to habitat in the place where God has set it. So the body that God gave the fish in layer one is the body that is suited for that fish to live in layer one. But the body that God gave to uh, another, maybe uh, a seahorse, for example, in layer two, is the body that God has given to that seahorse to be in that layer two. Now, God established all of these by wisdom. What about the sky? In the sky, you have different kind of um, layers, right? There's a first heaven, second heaven, third heaven. But God, by wisdom, established all these things. If you go in, in you, you go around your house or you go and take a walk in nature, you will see different kind of trees, different kind of plants. You see the way they are all structured together. And it's all set in place by the wisdom of God. In the book of Proverbs chapter 8, the Bible talks about this wisdom being Christ. This wisdom being Christ was there before God laid the foundations of the earth. I want you to understand that the wisdom that God used to create everything was there with God the Father right from the beginning of creation. That wisdom is name is Jesus Christ. So today God gave me a word that I want to share with you called grace-based wisdom for elevation. Grace-based wisdom for elevation. And what does that mean? We go back to the story of Joseph and look at how the wisdom of God that was based on the grace of God gave Joseph the key to the kingdom of Egypt. How he became the prime minister by the wisdom that God gave to him. Now, you all know the story. I've shared this in church for a number of weeks that Joseph was thrown into prison inappropriately. Joseph was brought out of prison because Joseph had empathy, right, on two key people, two influential people that came into his arena and was able to help them. But for two years, this one of the person that God released uh, was reinstated back, all right, to the to the, to the to the um, to Pharaoh. The other one died, and the one that God reinstated, Joseph asked him and said, "When you get back to Pharaoh, remember me." But the person did not remember Joseph. Now Joseph now for, for two years was left in the dungeon. One day the king had this had these dreams that he couldn't interpret. And the person that Joseph was empathetic to in prison uh, remembered and said, oh, when I was in prison, I had, there was this Hebrew boy that helped me. He's the only one who could interpret my dreams when I, had, when I had it. Now, Pharaoh had a problem that could not be solved. He had a problem that nobody in his kingdom could solve the problem. And this, he said to them, they should bring Joseph out. We spoke about the fact that when Joseph was brought out, the Pharaoh was... Say, I've heard of your fame. I've heard the fact that you are a, uh, a dream interpreter. There's nobody like you. And Joseph said, no, it's not up to me to interpret. It is God who can interpret. All right. Okay. So, and Joseph showed him humility by giving glory to God. Now, the dream was told to, the dreams were told to Joseph. Joseph interpreted the dreams for what it meant. But Joseph went a, a step further. Joseph gave practical advice on how um, to put to use structures that will ensure financial prosperity or that at least i will ensure that the, the country um wouldn't go bust okay so that is where we ended the story about how god elevated joseph that it is grace that elevated joseph it is god's grace that promoted him so i spoke last week about grace is an elevator and grace is an escalator and if you if you're on the on, on if you're watching this for the first time or you're coming to our church for the first time, also remember that we have been doing this ten day grace challenge, which we're going to continue on Monday. I think we've done we've done five days already, Monday to Friday uh, this last week. So we're going to start tomorrow another five days to take us to the end of ten days grace challenge. And the whole idea behind that was to try and articulate why the grace of God is important and how we need to take advantage of it. Okay, so let's go into the test. Genesis chapter 41, verses 38 to 44. The Bible says, So Pharaoh said to his servant, Can we find a man like this, a man equal to Joseph, in whom is the divine spirit of God? So this was Pharaoh's um, response to Joseph's um, um, practical uh, insight or practical plan that he put in place to save the kingdom. So Joseph told them what to do, how they need to, uh, during, the, during the period of uh, surplus, how they need to um, gather 
uh, a, a, a fifth of what what is made should be stored in granaries, and uh, so that during the time when um, the farming will come, they have something that they can essentially lean back on. He also explained the fact that also people might also come; they might be able to. It might become a, a source of um, prosperity for to the to the country where people can then you know get. Um, they can sell these things to other people. So essentially give them a financial plan to plan ahead to ensure that when the time of farming eventually comes, they will have things that they have in place to be able to save themselves. Right. So, and Pharaoh then said, there's no one who is called like Joseph, who can do this thing, who is like, who is like uh, Joseph. Verse 39, then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since your God has shown you all this, there's no one as discerning and clear-headed and wise as you are. I'm going to come back to that in a moment. There's no one as discerning, as clear-headed, and as wise as you are. You shall have charge over my house, and all my people shall be governed according to your word. And pay respect to you with reference and submission and obedience. Only in matters of the throne will I be greater than you in Egypt. Verse 41. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you in charge. I want you to pay attention to that, that, those two words, in charge. I've set you in charge over all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took, out, took off his signet ring from his hand and put it on Joseph's hand and dressed him in official vestments of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. He had him ride in his second chariot and runners proclaimed before him, Attention! bowed the knee and he set him over all the land of egypt moreover pharaoh said to joseph though i am pharaoh yes i'm the king in here yet without your permission shall no man rise raise his hand to do anything or set his foot to go anywhere in all of the land of egypt all classes of people shall submit to your authority i don't know whether you're saying this this is <laughs> this is absolutely profound this is the issue that what god gave joseph here is not just like somebody who is taking care of the of the finance department this is somebody who is second in command over all of the land of egypt this was a stranger that became a king in a foreign land and this was based on the fact that god already showed joseph many years before that this was going to happen and joseph now is in the throes of the fulfillment of destiny and he's right there in the middle of this event, right? And what he got from Pharaoh was unprecedented. It was unplanned for. He never could have thought about this in a million years based on where he stood, based on his uh, uh, understanding, based on his social status, for example, that he could ever be, get to that place. And that's why grace is an elevator. But I want to show you something that God showed me in this text that that really uh, showed me something that I want us all to hunger for. The Bible says in verse 39, since your God has shown you all this, grace has shown you this, there is no one as discerning and clear-headed and wise as you are. Pharaoh understood that what Joseph enjoyed was something that God gave to him. That with the wisdom to be able to articulate uh, the plan of action was given to Joseph by God. It wasn't something that Joseph had thought about before. It was something that, as it was told to him right there and then, Joseph had this plan that was given to him by God on what to do. And the plan seemed so right in the ears of Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said, you know what? There's nobody as wise as you. All right. So that is grace-based wisdom. Wisdom that came based on the grace of God operating in the lives of Joseph. In the life of Joseph, rather. But I want you to look at verse, um, verse, um, verse 43. He had him ride in his second chariot, and runners proclaimed before him, Bow the knee, and he set him over all the land of Egypt. He set him over all the land of Egypt. So, Pharaoh set Joseph over all the land of Egypt, because of what? Because of the manifested wisdom of God operating in the life of Joseph. Hallelujah. So from here we see that wisdom is important. Wisdom is important. Grace-based wisdom we elevate you. Pharaoh said, I set you in charge over all of the land of Egypt. So let's go into why wisdom is important. 
Proverbs chapter 4, verses 7 to 9. The Bible says, Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And with all your getting, get understanding. Exhort her, that is wisdom. Wisdom is being called a woman now. Exhort her, and she shall promote you. She shall bring you to honor when you embrace her. Verse 9, she shall give to your head an ornament of what? Grace. A crown of glory shall she deliver to you. This is a beautiful thing. The Bible says wisdom is a principal thing. So the word principal in this text is from the Hebrew word that means the chief thing, the important thing, the choicest part of faith, the first thing, the best thing. So essentially, if you think about these, it's talking about the father, the wisdom of God is the choicest thing. So what does choicest thing mean? It means, for example, you go to a restaurant, they give you the best of food. Or you live in a, in, 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 a, in, a, in a city and they say you are going to live in the choicest part of that, of that city. Think about it. If you live in a country where you are living in the choicest part of that country, it means people will come in there and be looking at that where you are living with amazement. People want to be they want to live where you are living because it's the choicest part of town. So the Bible pride wisdom as the choicest thing. Against what? Well, if you look at the next, it says, in all your getting, get understanding. That word getting there is from the Hebrew word that means wealth, acquisition. Essentially, it's saying wisdom is the choicest thing in life to pursue. As you pursue getting wealth, getting money, um, acquiring houses and acquiring possessions, make it a priority first to acquire wisdom. So, under the Old Covenant, under the Old Covenant, the Bible here is saying wisdom is something that you need to make time to acquire. And I want to explain to you that in, in, in a while, which I'm going to do, that wisdom is a person. Wisdom is a person that you already have in your heart. You already have in your spirit. But you can also acquire wisdom. For example, if you surround yourself with the right counsel, you will get wisdom. Let's say, for example, you're trying to do a business and you go to talk to people who have done it before and they can give you advice and they don't do it like they do it like that. You know, that is wisdom. That's wisdom in relationship building, which means you're able to seek advice from people that have gone ahead of you so that you don't make the same mistake that other people may have made. Essentially, you can learn from people that have gone ahead of you. So you don't make mistakes from them. So in all the getting, all the things that you're trying to get, make wisdom a priority. When you do that, what will happen? He says, when you exalt wisdom, wisdom will promote you. Wisdom that is based on the grace of God will, shall promote you. Now, in legal parlance, when you see the word shall, is a very strong word in English. It means, without a doubt, it will promote you. When you exalt wisdom, when you make wisdom the number one thing that you pursue above any other acquisition, it shall promote you. It shall promote you. Absolutely shall promote you. Okay? And not only that, wisdom will bring you to honor. It will bring honor into your life. You will be respected. But it has to happen when you embrace her. Wisdom will give to your head an ornament of grace, a crown of glory, she shall deliver to you. So, how do you get wisdom? How do you get wisdom? By embracing her. Now, when you embrace somebody, what do you do? You put your hands behind the person, don't you? There is a touch. You feel the person. Okay? You will even know whether somebody is happy to see you or not when you embrace them. Right? God says, when you embrace wisdom that way, wisdom will promote you. Which means, wisdom is not something that you... You put a fire off and say, oh, I'm going to get to you later. Wisdom is something that you embrace. Wisdom is something that you embrace, that you make a part of your life. Okay, so if you are fearful, what should you do? You embrace the wisdom of God. So what is this wisdom of God? The wisdom of God, first of all, is a person. First Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30 says, But of him are you in Christ Jesus. Who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Now, if you look in this text, 
the first thing that was mentioned first was wisdom. Let's go back there. But of him are you in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? But of him, of who? Of God. But of God are you in Christ Jesus. So when you see me, I'm not just David's Bible going. I am Davis of God. Davis that is of God. Davis that came from God. Davis that is from God. That is who you are. That is what, what I, who I am. That is who you are. If you're born again, you give your life to Jesus. You are of God. You are of God. The Bible says, you are of God, little children. You are of God, little children. You know, it's like, that's where I came from. For example, if you see somebody who is um, an athlete, an athlete goes into Olympics, right, to represent a particular country, that athlete will be, oh, let's say, for example, uh, I'm just making it up. Let's say, for example, Joe Bloggs of Tunisia. That means Joe Bloggs came from Tunisia. So when they are making an announcement, they say, there goes Joe's blogs. There, go, there goes Joe, Joe Bloggs on lane two. He's taking, this, he's taking the lead. Mom, and so on, so on. They're running commentary about Joe Bloggs. And then when Joe Bloggs get to the end and won the race, they will say Tunisia has won the race. Because Joe Bloggs represented who? Tunisia. Because Joe Bloggs is from Tunisia. Joe Bloggs is of Tunisia. Okay. So when the Bible says, but of him are you in Christ Jesus. He's saying, in Christ Jesus, you are of God. You are of God, which means when you win, God wins. When you show up, God shows up. Wherever you are, you are a brand ambassador for Jesus. You are a representative of Jesus. That's what that is saying. Okay. Now, he's not talking of who of God is made unto us wisdom. Who is the who talking to? The who there is talking about Jesus. Because it's, but of him are you in Christ Jesus. Who? The, the Christ Jesus. Who? Of God. Christ is also of God, but is made unto us now wisdom. So Christ is made unto us was wisdom first, before he's made unto us righteousness, before he's made unto us holiness or sanctification, before he's made unto us redemption. So if somebody says, I am holy and righteous, why? Because they are of Jesus. Jesus Christ is of God. You are of God. Both of you are of the same, uh, you have of the same um, DNA. Therefore, you have God. If I use the analogy earlier about Tunisia, if someone is another athlete that represented that represents Tunisia, the two of them are from the same place. So when the other person wins, they will say Tunisia also won. So this scripture is saying Christ is of God. You are also of God. Therefore, the one who is Christ, who is of God, has been made unto you. He has is 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 now representing to you wisdom. Is the one who is now wisdom. Is the one now who is the, is the one who is now righteousness. Is the one who is now redemption and sanctification. So, if Christ is redemption, Christ is sanctification, Christ is holiness. That means he, he, that is who you are as well. So you have the wisdom of God living on the inside of you. In the Amplified Version, the Bible says the same text, but it is from Him that you have your life in Christ Jesus. Who, whom God made our wisdom from God. Christ has made Jesus, God has made Jesus to be our wisdom. So, what we have here, therefore, is Christ is our wisdom. Say with me, Christ is my wisdom. Christ, Jesus, is my wisdom. So, if you're born again, Jesus Christ is the wisdom of God who lives on the inside of you. Now, the question now is, if you have this wisdom, living on the inside of you. Why do you need to lay hold of it? Why do you need to go and get it? Because in, in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7, it says, wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get it. Get wisdom. Why do you need to lay hold of something that is already living on the inside of you? And that is the $1 million question. So, the example I want to give you this morning to express this is this. Suppose you have a car parked in your garage. That car belongs to you. That car is of your house. The same way you are of Christ, you are of God. That car is in your house. Suppose you want to go buy grocery in, in grocery at the next store and you refuse to get in the car. Or you, ref, you got into the car, but you refuse to put on the ignition. Or you got into the car, you put on the ignition quite all right, but you, you refuse to engage the pedals. Or you probably engage the pedals 
but and you and the car began to move because you engage the pedals, but you, you refuse to accelerate or to put press on the throttle. Then what's gonna happen? That car, even though it's of your household, it will not benefit you. I hope you understand the analogy. All right, so Christ is your wisdom. But if you don't engage him or if you don't engage that wisdom that is called Christ, you won't enjoy that benefit. So we must learn to appropriate the wisdom of God for our lives. So when we look at the life of Joseph, we see, we see this. It was grace that brought Joseph to the palace. Yes. It was grace that gave him the interpretation of the dreams. Yes. It was grace that also gave him the practical action plan to save the nation. So I define grace-based wisdom as this. Grace-based wisdom is the practical application of knowledge that God has given to you to apply in a situation in the way directed by God, either consciously or subconsciously. The outcome of this application will always lead to elevation. So when we apply practical application of the knowledge that God has given to us in a situation that comes upon our lives, as directed by God, whether we do it with our conscious reasoning or it came, it, it came to us through some sort of subconscious subconscious construct, that is grace-based wisdom. So I want you to look at the story of uh, uh, Joseph now in Genesis chapter 41, verse 39 to 44. I want to unpack a couple of things for you on how this works. So for example, in Genesis chapter 41, verse 39, Pharaoh said, since your God has shown you all this, that means Pharaoh acknowledged the grace of God that is at work in Joseph's life. Pharaoh acknowledged the grace of God that was upon his life. That's why he said, it's your God that has given you all this. It's not something that you, you hook up or you did it by yourself. God gave it to you. All right, that's one. Now, Pharaoh also said, there's no one as discerning and as clear-headed and as wise as you. Pharaoh acknowledged the wisdom of God in Joseph's life. Then Joseph, Pharaoh uh, then began to do elevation. So we see the grace, acknowledgement of grace, about acknowledgement of the wisdom, the grace and the wisdom of God, right? Upon Joseph were visible for people to see because it produced results, right? Then what then happens next was the elevation based on the grace and the wisdom that God gave to Joseph. The first thing that the king did was, king said, you shall have charge over my house. Which means Joseph was elevated force to manage the king's affairs. And then he said, all my people shall be governed according to your word. Joseph was elevated to rule over the people. Everybody in that country, Joseph was meant to rule over them. Then the king said, everybody shall pay respect to you with reverence, with submission and obedience. <laughs> that is honor. Joseph was elevated quite all right, but he also had honor upon him. You know, honor is far, far better than money. Honor is what makes some religious people, for example, I'm talking about Nigeria now, for example, where somebody may have all the money, but they need to go and seek counsel from some of the religious guys to say, hey, you know, I mean, politicians might be doing it to try and just they just want to win at all costs. But the fact that they acknowledge the fact that they can go to some of these men of God or and, and ask for their quote-unquote approval, as it were, shows a level of honor that God has, has lifted them. You know, honor is far, far better than money. Money is fantastic. It's great. You should have money. But you know, honor is far better than that because there are some things that money cannot buy. You know, money, for example, cannot buy peace of mind. Money cannot buy peace of mind. Money is absolutely good. You should have money. But money cannot buy peace of mind. You might have all the money in the world, for example. But if there are some people that you need to reach and you don't have influence among those people, you need to get somebody who has influence over those people to help you to talk to them. And that is where money and influence and, 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 and wisdom is, is, is differentiates. God wants you to have both, by the way. God wants you to have both influence, wisdom, and wealth. All right? Okay. So, Joseph was elevated. He became, was honored. Then, see, I've set you in charge over all the land of Egypt. Joseph became ruler over the entire land. Now, that statement means he was ruler not over people, but also resources. 
everything in that land now respond. Responds what? To Joseph. Including Potiphar, his former master, including Potiphar's wife, who tried to uh, seduce him. Everybody now responds to Joseph. Everybody now just has rulership over them. I can just imagine a, a situation where when Pharaoh has amassed whatever money he needs to make or was taking stuff and the government now says you've got to pay 20% of that and Joseph is the one who is standing that that standing for, for Pharaoh and his wife to bring their own part of uh, um, tax as it were to Pharaoh and uh, to Joseph. Just imagine how the situation now has turned, right? How God elevated Joseph from the backwaters of life to the forefront. Why? Because wisdom opened the door for him. It was not just the interpretation of the dream. I want to say that again. It was not the interpretation of the dream of Joseph that brought him to the front. It was the wisdom that made him to take that interpretation and say, this is how we should solve the problem. That really is what set Joseph apart from everybody else, right? So I pray for you that the wisdom of God will guide you. The wisdom of God will lead you. The wisdom of God will elevate you. The wisdom of God will honor you. The wisdom of God will bring you into a position of rulership in the name of Jesus Christ. So the wisdom of God is so important, it will set you apart in your generation. I prophesy over someone this morning that the wisdom of God will set you apart in your generation. I'm praying specifically for our young people that the wisdom of God in your generation will set you apart. In whatever you lay your hands upon, God will cause you to prosper. In Jesus' name we pray. So how do we engage this wisdom? What do we need to engage this wisdom? Well, the first thing, i got five items here that I'm going to run through in the next 10 minutes as we begin to, um, it's going to be a short message today, right? So, the first thing is rank God first. To get wisdom, to begin to engage with wisdom, you must put God first. Proverbs chapter 9 verse 10 says, The reverent and watchful fear of the Lord is the beginning, that's the chief and the choicest part of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is insight and understanding. So, the fear of the Lord, putting God first, is the beginning of wisdom. To get wisdom, the kind of wisdom that we're talking about here, the kind of wisdom that Joseph had here, is putting God first. And how did we know that Joseph put God first? We knew about this because when Joseph was in Potiphar's house and the wife, Potiphar's wife wanted to sleep with Joseph, Joseph said, how can I do this grave or grievous thing in the eyes of God. Joseph didn't even say in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the, in the eyes of Potiphar. He said in the eyes of God. How can I do this grave, 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 uh, grievous thing in the eyes of God? And you know what that means? It means Joseph understood that God is the one that brought him there. That everything he does, God is looking. God is checking. Not checking for fault, but that there's nothing he has done or anything that he would do that will be outside of the visibility of God. That's and that's really, really important. So God essentially what is teaching us through the life of Joseph that when we rank him first, our decisions and our choices will be different. Our decisions and our choices will be different. What we do and how we do things will be different. It will be based on what did God say about this matter. Fear, by the way, in this text is not the dread of God. Oh, I'm afraid, I'm afraid. No, the Bible says. Perfect love casts away fear. Perfect love, the love that God has for us, does not make us to be afraid of God like, oh, I'm afraid, what is he going to do to me? Dread is not from God. Because perfect love casts off, perfect love casts off uh, fear. Alright? So, but when we rank God first, when we put him first, when we submit to his discipline, when we submit to his direction, when we worship him, when we make him number one in our thought process, we are going to be open to more of his wisdom to work in our lives. You know, God is constantly talking to us, trying to help us. But if you don't pay attention, if you don't rank his thought, if you don't rank his conversation higher in our thoughts than the conversation of our contemporaries, then his wisdom will not be able to work for us. Not that God is ever holding wisdom away from us. Remember, wisdom is a person. Christ is the wisdom that is already living on the inside of us. It's already there. That wisdom is already living on, in, on the inside of you. You already have the Spirit of God living on the inside of you. The Spirit of wisdom is already on the inside of you. 
but you need to what engage that that spirit how through humility you need to rank god first make god number one if you are confused in anything just say father oh lord i ask for your wisdom to guide me thank you that this wisdom is living on the inside of me therefore i thank you all on that i am now being directed by god now when you begin to pray like that begin to acknowledge what god has what god has already placed on the inside of you what are you doing you are basically ranking god's first remember i said before humility is not the same thing as humiliation humility is to humility leads to more of god's grace humility is to say what god says even when it doesn't make sense humility is not calling yourself a dirt calling yourself a nobody humility is not being a doormat humility really is agreeing with what god has said and letting that to shape your reality your conversations and your thought process so what has god called you what has god declared over you when you agree with what god has said and you declare it over your life then what will happen is you are functioning in humility and humility will lead to more grace of god working in your life and then that will expose you to more what to more of the wisdom of god so when we live with a sense of the of when with the sense of god's nearness we make wiser decisions I hope that makes sense. Essentially, when you have this consciousness that everything that you do, there's, there's a God who is checking it, who is looking at you, who is making sure that, who is who ch- checking. It's not checking to see that as my do- son don't write or don't write. No. Essentially, there's nothing that you do that is, is oblivious to God. People in your household may not know. Your friends may not know. But God sees everything. And therefore, when you have this consciousness that God sees everything, you, you, you live your life with wisdom. Okay, number two, acknowledge that you have wisdom in the person of Jesus Christ. This is absolutely important. Remember, in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7, Bible says, Wisdom is the principal thing. In all your getting, get understanding. Wisdom is the principal thing. Wisdom is the primary thing. Wisdom is all that you must get or acquire above anything else. I hope that is making sense. But I said before, in the new covenant, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30, that Christ has become unto us wisdom from God. Christ is not our wisdom. We are of God. Christ is of God. So we are of the same DNA, the same structure. Therefore, his wisdom is resident in our spirit. Okay. Question is, if I already have this wisdom living on the inside of me, why do I need to go and get wisdom? Well, under the new covenant, there's one thing I want to talk about before we start talking about getting wisdom is first of all, know that you have the wisdom of God living on the inside of you. And how do you know? Because the Bible says it lives on the inside of you. So what should you do if you know that it lives on the inside of you? Acknowledge that it lives on the inside of you. Philemon chapter 1 verse 6, verse six says, And I pray that the participation in and sharing of your faith may produce and promote full recognition and appreciation and understanding and precise knowledge of every good thing that is ours in our identification with Christ Jesus and unto his glory. Now, that's a mouthful. That's a mouthful. I know it might be a bit difficult, but if you read this one in the KJV, it says that the communication of your faith may become effectual as you acknowledge every good thing that is already yours in Christ Jesus. Essentially saying, your faith. Now, remember, faith is what overcomes the world. Your faith becomes effective. Your faith becomes effective as you communicate your faith. Your faith becomes effective. As you share your faith, it becomes effective. How? The, to the extent that you acknowledge. Acknowledge means, I have received it. I, you gave me a, a box, I have received it. As you acknowledge all the good things that are already yours in Christ Jesus, all the things that God said you have in Jesus, including wisdom, because because 1 Corinthians one thirty says Christ is our wisdom. All these things are already yours in Christ Jesus. When you acknowledge them, it makes your faith to be effective. All the good things are already yours in Christ once you um, acknowledge that they are already yours, then it becomes effective in your life. Essentially, God is saying to you, you must acknowledge what I have said to you. You must acknowledge what I have declared to you before they manifest in your life. So, Christ loved you. Christ helped you. Christ is 
pour favor on you. Christ has blessed you. Those are the blessings that are already yours. You are not begging God for them. They were given to you by grace. But in order for you to, for them to manifest or for you to experience them, you have to acknowledge that they are already yours. How that is making sense? Again, is it is is a, is, a, is is the illustration about a car? You got a car in your garage, and you're meant to go to to, to the station to 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 the next um to somewhere for grocery. But you are saying, I don't have a car. But the car is parked in your garage. So the more you say you don't have the car parked in your garage, even though the car is in your garage, then the more you are going to be without, you won't be able to have the means to get to the shops to buy what you want to buy. So the things of the kingdom is believe what God has said about you. Confess what God has said about you. Then it will manifest in the experiential knowledge. Praise God. Number three, pray to know Jesus more intimately through revelation. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 17. Ephesians 1 17 says, I always pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may grant you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation that gives you a deep and personal and intimate insight into the true knowledge of him. For we know the Father through the Son. Essentially, the Bible is saying, you pray that God will grant you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. This is good. So remember, the second step says, acknowledge that you already have Jesus. This one says, ask God to give you, to give the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. So, there's, <laughs> there's one point about everything that, everything that Christ has done for me, they are already mine. And I, I, and I acknowledge that they are already mine. That's what two is saying. Number three is saying, now begin to say, I know Jesus. Not I know about Jesus. The Bible says the devil knows about God and he trembles. The devil's no. So it's not I know God, I know God. No. Do you know him intimately? Do you know his heart? Do you know what he's talking about? Are you hanging with him? Are you taking a walk with God or you are, are you going on holiday? So essentially he's saying be ask God to give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge, in the right knowledge of God. A wrong knowledge of God is a knowledge of God that says God puts sickness on people to teach you a lesson. A wrong knowledge of God is a, is a, is a knowledge of God that says if you don't pay your tithe, you are going to hell. A wrong knowledge of God is a knowledge that says that you know uh, if you don't pray for 10 hours, God is not going to answer your prayers. A wrong knowledge of God is to see God as a tyrant. That is a wrong knowledge of God. So it's asking you, Pray that you have the right knowledge of God. Because once you have the right knowledge of God, the wisdom of God that is already yours then begins to make sense to you. Hallelujah. Number four, you can ask God for wisdom in specific situation. If any of you is deficient, James chapter 1 verses 5 to 8, if any one of you, of you is deficient in wisdom, if you lack wisdom, what should you do? Let him ask of the giving God. You know, it didn't say here of the holding back God, of the God who puts in the bucket and never takes out. No, it said of the giving God. The God who is a giver. Ask the God who is a giver and he will give. He gives to everyone liberally and ungrudgingly without reproaching or fault finding and it will be given to him. God says here, if you lack wisdom in your academics, in your schoolwork, in how to run your business and so on and so forth, ask God for wisdom. God's wisdom will help you to navigate the course of your life. I'm praying for you that you take advantage of this. God wants you to have wisdom that will set you apart. Next week, I'm going to be talking about practical wisdom. Practical wisdom for living. I will talk about different aspects of life. How the wisdom of God can help you to thrive. Okay, so today, I'm just talking about the foundation around the Father. Wisdom of God will set you apart. So, Bible says, if you lack wisdom, ask of God. Ask Him. Now, when you ask Him, don't don't be doubting. Is he going to give me? Is he not going to give me? No. Ask. The Bible says, only it must be in faith that he asks, with no wavering, no hesitating, no doubting. For the one who wavers, who hesitates, who doubts, is like the blowing surge out at sea that is blown either and thither and tossed by the wind. For truly, let such not let not such a person imagine that he will receive anything he asks or for from the Lord. For being as he is, a man of two minds, hesitating, doubting, and irresolute. Is unstable and unreliable and uncertain about everything it thinks, feels, or decides. The Bible here says, when you have a need in your life, 
Ask God for wisdom about that need. When you ask, don't doubt. Is he going to give me? Is he not going to give me? No, just ask. And when you ask, what do you do? Begin to act. Begin to act. If there's something that you are confused about, and say, like, Lord, I don't know what to do. You know, instead of saying, Lord, I don't know what to do. Lord, I don't know what to do. Lord, I don't know what to do. Why don't you stop and say, Father, my spirit knows everything. Because the spirit of wisdom that is on the inside of me is the spirit of Jesus. Therefore, I know everything. Father, therefore, I receive your wisdom in this matter. I receive the practical application of how to go about this matter right now in Jesus' name. Now, when you pray that prayer, believe that God has answered you. Don't doubt. Don't begin to say, is it, has he answered? Has he no answered? Just believe. Now, when you believe, act. Begin to act like somebody who knows that God has already given you wisdom. The way you pray, God will bring the idea into your hand. It might not come immediately. It might come... Um, Maybe when you're driving, it might come maybe when you're sleeping, it might come when you wake up in the morning, you just have this light bulb moment. You just have clarity around what to do. But God gives wisdom. He doesn't hold back. Hallelujah. Number five, study the word of God. That is the revelation of who Jesus Christ truly is and choose to live by them. Study the word and choose to live by the word. In Psalm 19, verse 98 to 100, the Bible says, Your commandments make me wiser than my enemies, for your words are always with me. Your words are always with me. I have better understanding and deeper insight than all my teachers because of your word. So essentially saying here, the reason why I'm sharper, better, I have better understanding than my teachers is because of your word. So you see now, the word of God can make you wiser than people of your age. But you have to embrace the word. Study the word. Make it your own. For your testimonies are are my meditations. I understand more than the aged who have not observed your precepts because I observed them and kept your precepts. Essentially, it's saying here there are people that are older than me, but I'm wiser than them. That's what it's saying. Why? Because I listened to what your word says and I lived by those things. The Bible talks about Jesus Christ when he was, I think, 12 years old. He was in the temple and he was teaching and asking questions from those who are far, far, far older than him. Why? That is the wisdom of God at play. So, you might be here thinking, okay, I hear that. I hear that. But I don't have that kind of wisdom. I would say that's not correct. Wisdom is not just about being able to articulate your conversation or being intelligent in class. Wisdom applies to emotional intelligence. The way you carry yourself. The way you speak. The way you handle conversations. The way you show up at work. Wisdom is part of it. Practical application that will set you apart. Hallelujah. So, that's where I'm going to stop today. I want to use to know that next week I'm going to be talking about from Proverbs chapter 3 from verses 13 to 18 and 30, verses 21 to 26. And it's talking about wisdom. That when we find wisdom, wisdom will give us what? It will give us long life, riches, honor, pleasure, and peace. So I'm going to be talking about practical wisdom or grace-based wisdom for long life. Grace-based wisdom for riches. Grace-based wisdom for honor. And so on and so forth. That's what I'm going to be talking about from next week. All right. But I want you to know that wisdom is a principal thing. Get wisdom. God wants you to get wisdom and understanding. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let us pray. Let us pray that, you know, in this month that God has called the said wisdom of God, that our hunger and thirst will be to know God more. But beyond that as well, that to have the wisdom to direct our lives so that we will do the right thing at the right time. We are not going to follow the crowd to do things. We are going to listen to God's instruction and say, well, God, what should I do here? And we should, we, we, we will automatically, according to that James chapter 1, verse 5, right? Believe that God has answered us and begin to act like somebody who knows that God has answered so we can get what God said we are going to get. Hallelujah. Let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, Almighty God, for today. Thank you, Almighty God, that your wisdom is actually directing us. Lord, oh God, we thank you for this subject of wisdom, how your wisdom differentiated Joseph. I pray for every one of your children that your wisdom in any area that you have placed us to walk in, your wisdom will direct us. Your wisdom will separate us. Your wisdom, Almighty God, will set us apart in the name of Jesus Christ. The same with Joseph was set as king over Israel, over Egypt. So shall every one of your children dominate the area which you have assigned to them. Lord, we thank you for this. We thank you, Lord, as we go now, O oh Lord. May we carry a consciousness of the wisdom of God. May we know, O oh Lord, that we have been impacted by the wisdom from on high. May we know, Almighty God, that your wisdom is already there for us to guide us, to lead us, to help us, to care for us in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for this and we give you praise. 
in Jesus' name. We pray. Hallelujah. Uh, please, before we go, I just want to say a quick, say a quick announcement. Today at 11 o'clock, for those of you that can make it, we are going to be at Mason Keynes. Um, we are going to Uncle Patrick, uh, Pastor Patrick's church. Uh, it's my very good friend. He's opening a physical church today. So we're going to be going there to pray with him. So please put him in your prayers. Patrick Garner, House of Sozo. You can just go online. Just type House of Sozo meeting Keynes. It's going to come up. And uh, please, if you can, if you have anybody living in that area, do let them know. We have a church in meeting Keynes where the gospel is is going to get preached, all right? And it's going to be a blessing to everyone around there. So we just want to thank you again for doing that. I appreciate you so much. All right, as we go, let's say this confirmation, this affirmation. This affirmation is something that uh, the Lord laid in my heart yesterday at prayer meeting in the morning. All right, so I just want you to affirm it. It's based on Psalm, Psalm 5, verse 12. Psalm 5, verse 12. So it's going to be on the screen. So Psalm 5 verse 12, the Bible says, I want to read it in the uh, King James Version. The Bible here says, For thou, Lord, will bless the righteous. With favor will you compass him about as with a shield. So the affirmation I have here is, I am blessed. Say with me, I am blessed. I am righteous. I am favored. I am protected. So those are the four things that we can read from this text. Let's do it again. I am blessed. I am righteous. I am favored. I am protected. That's my that's my declaration over you as you go. The Lord bless you. The Lord's blessing rests upon you. You are already righteous in his eyes. And the Lord's protection is over you. And the Lord's favor is over you. You are charitude. Charitude means, you know, uh, to be encompassed with the favor of God, all right? To be encompassed with the favor of God, to be crowned with honor. That's what charity to me. So the grace of God is with you. The love of God is with you. So as you live here, carry that consciousness that you are righteous, you are blessed, you are favored, and God's protection is over your life. I'll speak to you another time. God bless you.